The central banks continue barking loudly, but the spike in mortgage costs point out that the housing markets are kind of in trouble and that a road accident could be near in some developed economies in the foreseeable future and that could change the entire landscape that we have today. So welcome, this is Swiss Codes Daily Market Talk. So the US was closed yesterday, but the Asian stocks were moody and the European indices traded lower on Monday and US futures were under a decent selling pressure as well. The rest of this week will likely prove to be kind of challenging both in the US and elsewhere in the world as the central bankers around the world continue pressing economies like lemons while signs of pain, signs of rising pain are just before their eyes. And it's not because the stock markets are driven higher and significantly higher by the AI speculation of these days that the underlying economic fundamentals are doing Great. On the contrary, average mortgage rates in the US are at their highest level since the subprime crisis back in 2007-2008, whereas mortgage rates in the UK are again above the 6% mark. The last time we saw these levels was back during Listra's mini budget crisis, remember? And what's worse than the time when Listra's wrecked Haywalk in the British markets with her mini budget disaster is the British two-year guilt yield, which spiked about the 5% mark yesterday and has unfortunately more to rally given the expectation of at least another 125 basis point rate hike in the UK before the year ends. So if the goal of the Bank of England and the Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank is to hit the developed economies by, I don't know, a property crisis to fight inflation, well, we might be well served in the next few quarters. Now the problem is when a crisis, a severe crisis hits the real estate sector, the consequences could be dramatic and they could go well broad-based. And I'm sure that you know the policymakers know it better than I do. So the housing market in most developed economies now send SOS to these policymakers that wait and see what happens next approach to the monetary policies or to inflation could simply be a cautious idea than keep hiking the interest rates at this speed. For now, the Bank of England and the European Central Bank both prefer opting for tougher stress tests to see if everything wouldn't just collapse in case of these exaggeratedly fast interest rate hikes in an environment of visible economic distress in some key domains of our economy like housing, for example. Now, what's funny today is that the Reserve Bank of Australia minutes released earlier today in Australia showed that the Reserve Bank of Australia's rate hike, which was the first hawkish shock in a series of hawkish central bank decisions along this month, well, show that the RBA decision to hike its interest rate by a surprise 25 basis points this month was finally balanced only and further decisions on rates will depend on inflation outlook, 
obviously, and the home market. And the minutes actually softened the Reserve Bank of Australia expectations and sent the Aussie dollar to 68 cents, while the Euro Aussie, uh, for those who actually watch these cross pair uh, prices, is back above the 160 mark and also has potential to further extend this recovery, having just jumped higher, having just rebounded from nearly oversold levels of past week following the Reserve Bank of Australia surprise 25 base point hike decision. Now zooming out from the FX markets, the central bank induced stress has obviously been quite visible in the sovereign bond space because besides the sharp rise that we saw in the UK's guilt yields, the US two-year yield also pushes decidedly higher toward the 5% psychological mark whereas the German two-year yield tops at around 3.20% level these days. So those are the highest levels that we saw in Germany since the March banking stress. The stock 600 fell more than 1% at yesterday's trading session and slipped below its 50-day moving average at the start of this week. But it's yet too early to call for a peak in these equity prices, both in Europe and across the Atlantic Ocean in the US. But there are all the reasons to believe that this equity rally could not carry on given the morose economic outlook and the aggressive central bank stances on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, the UK will be hiking its interest rates by 25 basis points when it meets this Thursday, and that in an environment where mortgage rates are already heavily, heavily waiting on people's budgets. It is now said that home prices in London could fall up to 20% as a result of these higher mortgage rates, but the Bank of England won't stop hiking the interest rates until they don't see people not being able to buy tomatoes because they just pay so much for their mortgage refinancing and so that the tomatoes will get cheaper and that will bring inflation down. And according to a think tank, we are now talking about an additional £2,900 on average to cover the increase in mortgage rates per year. So that is on top of the general price inflation, of course. Uh, for now, only the appreciation of the British pound plays in favor of the Brits before their summer vacation this year because cable was softer at yesterday's trading session, but the pair recently cleared a long-term bearish trend top and trend and momentum indicators of the moment and obviously the aggressive Bank of England rate hike expectations back a further the rise in cable in the next few weeks. Now, the problem is, if the British economy is severely hit by the interest rate hikes from the Bank of England, the pound won't really sustainably either. But because all of the developed economies on the face of this earth are facing the same morose economic outlook, and they also face uh, more or less the same kind of aggressiveness from their monetary policy outlooks, we could just say that the divergence that we see today between the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England could further support, could further play in favor of the pound for the next coming weeks or months because we don't know where we will see the first accident happen.
But probably not in China, because the Chinese are already dealing with a severe, severe property crisis, low inflation and perhaps a risk of deflation and sluggish economic growth, which finally brought the People's Bank of China to cut its one and five year LPR raise for the first time in 10 months in hope to bolster their economy. But a targeted fiscal support is most probably what's needed in China because slashing the interest rates when people just won't invest or won't buy property due to a confidence crisis in the government may not do much alone and you could actually see that in the Hansang index these days the Hansang index is not cheering the PBOC news this morning as investors were actually expecting to hear some stimulus measures from Beijing last Friday and they actually got nothing instead and nothing is a proof that Xi Jinping remains much against the you know the Chinese kind of fiscal stimulus that we all got used to but that kind of stimulus could be the only way to post the kind of Chinese growth numbers that we also were used to in the past and that may not happen. Now, here in continental Europe, there is a growing talk of some divergence at the heart of the European Central Bank regarding the interest rate hikes to come in the next few months in the Eurozone. We will see what happens, but the European Central Bank is a bit bolder than the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England because, well, it's a supranational bank, which, you know, makes it certainly less emotional decisions when it comes to its monetary policy. So we see the positive momentum posterior to the European Central Bank meeting gently fade into the 110 psychological mark and we could actually see some more profit taking in the coming hours before the Fed President Jerome Powell's testimony this week before the US Senate but because I'm now betting that the interest rate hikes in the US can't carry on at this aggressive speed without another road accident like besides the mini banking crisis that we had in March I remain comfortably bullish for the euro dollar for now and and in the energy space, the European natural gas prices fell nearly 15% after the TTF futures almost doubled their price since the start of this month on the back of a hot weather and a series of outages. And this June, unfortunately, reminds us of last year, last summer, when the water levels in the European rivers and the European dams fell alarmingly low. Now, happily, price-wise, we are now at about a tenth of last summer's peak level levels for the net gas prices, but extreme weather conditions in Europe could easily keep this price pressure to the upside, which in return will keep the inflationary pressures, the inflationary worries well alive, the European Central Bank hawks well alert, and the euro well bit. So this is all for today. I'm Ipeko Skardeshkaya, and thank you for joining me, and thank you for all your supportive and interesting feedbacks. I hope this episode of Market Talk has been helpful, and it has been insightful to you so please do not hesitate to leave your comments your reactions and your questions below as usual and follow us on instagram on twitter and on linkedin for regular market updates and subscribe of course to our youtube channel for daily market comments i will meet you again tomorrow and until then good day trading